Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Today I'm going to talk about deception, and I can't help but to think of, you know, the old house of mirrors when you'd go to the carnival? You'd look in those mirrors, and it kind of distorted your figure and your face. I don't know about you. I always gravitated towards the mirrors that made me look taller and thinner because I appreciate those things. But the mirrors trick your mind, and they distort things. Well, that's what the devil wants to do in our life. He wants to deceive you. And the Bible says, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. So everyone is going to be responsible for what they do with the truth, which is Jesus Christ. Don't reject truth and forever be deceived because God will not be mocked. But the truth is that the devil wants to deceive even believers. He never gives up. He's like a lion who's ready to pounce. We're in a war. Truth versus lies. So how do we combat this? We stay crowded in the truth, the word of God. You see yourself the way God sees you, and you don't get deceived how the devil lies about you and about who you are. You see yourself in a real mirror in the face of Christ. This is part three of my sermon series. Are you ready what to expect before and after Jesus returns? So we're in the before part. Now, a few couple of weeks, we're going to go to what to expect after Jesus returns, but that's a different topic because today we're going to talk about what to expect before, and that would be one of the things, deception. Before Jesus returns, the Bible says, many will be deceived. In fact, Jesus told us ahead of time in Matthew 24, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Sadly, many Christians are being deceived today by lies. It's all a house of mirrors, and they're going to come crashing down. The only thing that will last will be God and His Word and His kingdom. Now, no one's immune to this deception, but you can keep from being deceived by anchoring yourself in the truth of God's word. So the Bible speaks of some specific ways in which I can be deceived. Let's look at these. First of all, ways by which I can be deceived, empty words. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. The empty words, that word empty means void of content, that contains no truth. See, Satan is a mastermind at counterfeit. In fact, the Bible says that he masquerades as an angel of light. So we can be deceived by false doctrine, false teaching, ideology, opinions that have maybe some basis in truth, but they're not true. So that's why it's important to be filled with the Word of God. Be watered 
with the word. Another way that I can be deceived is bad company. And I'm not talking about the band, but bad companies in the Bible. It says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. In other words, you become like who you are with. You know that? Think about it. When I was in high school, I became like my friends, which was not a good thing to become like. Those I hung out with the most, I became like them. So I was lost. I was searching for meaning. Nobody had answers. I found what I thought was meaning and worthless things, empty, voidless deception. I was living an empty life. Today, I'm not. Why? Because I want to spend as much time with Jesus. I want to become more like Christ. How do I do that? I hang out with him. I talk to him. I talk constantly to Jesus. Some people think prayer is some formulated words that make some sense. Prayer to me, and I think is in the Bible when you look at Psalms, is just honest talk and honest communication. I spend a lot of time with Jesus. You know how else I spend a lot of time with Jesus? With Jesus' followers. I spend time with Jesus' followers. I'm so grateful that God has given me a beautiful wife, and she is an example to me of a true follower of Christ. She spends time in the Word. She talks about Jesus all the time. We are equally yoked in that and in other ways. If I didn't have that, who knows what I'd be doing. We have to stay grounded in the Word by staying connected to Jesus and Jesus' followers. If not, we will be deceived. Next, Ways by which I can be deceived. Unbelief. Now, this is the one I'm going to spend the most time with because it's the way people are mostly deceived. And you might say, well, yeah, unbelievers are deceived. Well, I'm here to tell you that believers are deceived as well. Think about Adam and Eve. Were they believers? Well, they hung out in the garden with their creator as he walked with them in paradise. They believed God existed, but sadly, they did not believe when it mattered most. They did not believe his word. God spoke to them very clearly about the boundaries of the garden so that they would not be deceived. They could enjoy the entire garden. They could eat from all the trees, but just stay away from the one tree, which is the tree in the center of the garden. It was God's tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because God is the only one that can handle that kind of truth about good and evil. He didn't want his kids to be deceived and have to worry about evil. Do you remember when you were a kid? Did you worry about paying bills? Did you worry about locking the door at night to your house? Did you necessarily worry about evil when you were a kid? Your parents worried, but as a kid, you didn't worry. You trusted your parents. They tried to protect you from growing up too fast. Well, that's what God is trying to do with his kids, Adam and Eve. But no, 
they would not be satisfied. They had to press the boundaries of God's truth. So Eve was deceived by the devil. Paul writes to Timothy, It was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Now, before you begin calling God a woman hater, you got to think about the backstory, and that's what we're going to talk about. Remember, Genesis chapter 2, God commands the man and the woman not to eat from the tree. Genesis chapter 3, the serpent, Satan, who's already inhabiting the garden. So God knew what he was doing. He's like, I want to protect you. He begins to converse with whom? Eve, the woman. Why the woman? Well, open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 3. This is the fall of mankind. And I'm going to start in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God said to you that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden, we can eat from all of those, but not the one tree in the middle of the garden. God said, do not eat from it. And then Eve adds, or touch it. I wonder why. I have a feeling she would be looking at it. She had been looking at it. God said, don't eat it. Don't eat from it or you will die. And then the biggest lie in the history of the universe. Verse four, the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. That's a lie from the pit of hell. For God knows that in the day you eat from that tree, your eyes will be open. And guess what, Eve? You want to be like God, don't you? You want to know what God knows. You want to be wise like God. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and a delight to the eyes, she'd been noticing it. And that tree was desirable to make one wise be like God. She took from it. And she ate it, and she gave to her husband, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They lost their innocence. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from God. Isn't that sad? Then the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. They were not afraid of God before that, because I was naked, so I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Think about it. It's just like a father or mother talking to the kids. Who told you that? Have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat from? Now, obviously, God knows what happened, right? but he's waiting for them to fess up. So the man says, and this is how Adam fesses up, which is the worst way ever. Don't ever do this. The man said, the woman you gave me made me eat it. What a cop out. Are you kidding me? Then the Lord God said to the woman, have you done that? And then what the woman does, do you blame Satan? The serpent deceived me, which is true. And I ate it. She fessed up. So what do we learn from there? First of all, when I said earlier that God had commanded both Adam and Eve to not eat from the tree, was I correct? Now, I purposely did that to see if you would catch me. Well, let's find out. 
Look at Genesis 2, 16 through 18. The Lord God commanded who? The man. You are free to eat any tree in the garden, but you don't eat from the one tree, Adam, or you will die. And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So was Adam faultless? No. And Eve wasn't even born yet, so to speak. So here's the thing. Read and understand carefully. Earlier I said that God commanded both the man and the woman. And you just took it. And I don't blame you. I mean, it's a little thing, right? But it's not a little thing. Because the verse I just read, you'd be going, why is he blaming? You know, what's going on here? It's important to just not believe everything you hear. Test it against God's word. Adam, which means man, was the first man in the history of the world. What was he supposed to do? He was supposed to guide, protect, and lead his wife. And he blew it. We all blow it. But what are some of the lessons we can learn from this? First, don't let the serpent inhabit your garden. Kick him out. He doesn't belong there. Second, if for some reason he has gotten a foothold, please don't allow him to lie to your wife and your family. Speak the truth. Know the truth. Believe God's word and teach your family God's commands. Tend your garden. Water it with the word. Because unbelief leads to deception, which leads to horrendous consequences for you and everyone you know in your family. So don't let that happen. Sadly, today, I can honestly say that deception fills the walls of the church. Pastors and leaders are teaching opinions. They're teaching political ideology, empty words. They're not teaching the word of God. I humbly promise, by the grace of God, my desire is to teach the word, not opinions, not talking points, because the word keeps us grounded in the truth which keeps us away from being deceived. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. And then next, ways in which I can be deceived, self-righteousness. You know what? Self-righteousness, thinking that you're righteous in yourself, is a great deceiver. It's what causes cancel culture. Thinking that you are righteous in your own merit. Think about that. The devil tempted Eve to believe that she did not need God. He says, you will be like God, then you don't need God. What a lie from the pit of hell. I always pray, Lord, make me your voice. And sometimes I run into people that I would never run into. And I happen to be sitting out on the beach. And there was a person sitting next to me there and started asking her and just probing a little bit about her spiritual beliefs. She said to me, wow, you know what I love about the beach is how beautiful it is. It was really beautiful. The sun was shining off the waves and everything. I said, hey, you know what? I think it's so beautiful too. Do you think that this was made by somebody? She said, I don't know. I said, well, think about this. If I had a watch and not my Apple watch, because this is all like digital stuff, but the old watches, I threw all those gadgets out onto the sand, would it just 
automatically become a watch? She said, no. I said, I don't believe this just automatically happened, this beauty. And she said to me, I never thought of it that way. Seeds of truth were planted. And I pray that person accepts Jesus. Here's the thing. Never take a vacation from preaching the truth and knowing the truth. This is why self-righteousness is so deceptive. It keeps you from worshiping God because you're too busy worshiping the creation, including yourself. Look at Galatians 6, 3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now, Paul isn't saying you're nothing. It's in the context of he's saying basically watch yourself or you're going to fall into sin. There's an old song by Rich Mullins called, You're Not As Strong As You Think You Are. That's basically what he's saying. And 1 John 1.8 is a very important verse. Read it with me. If we claim to be without sin, we what? Deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Self-righteousness, thinking that you're righteous and good in your own merit, keeps you trapped in the prison of legalism. And you're going to be looking at other people through blurry lens. And you're going to be part of the cancel culture. But you know what? The ones that cancel are the ones that need to be canceled. Because Jesus said, those who have not sinned cast the first stone. Now, we should judge rightly, as Jesus said. But how do we do that? We need to know the truth. We need to speak the truth. But here's a very important part. Notice the plank in your own eye before you start noticing the speck in your brother's eye. No one can judge rightly if they're not willing to have God judge themselves and show them the error of their ways. And then by God's grace, allow his forgiveness to overcome you. And you'll notice that plank gets smaller and smaller, not because you're less of a sinner, but because you're more noticing of God's grace. See, the gospel is about God's grace. It really is. Yes, it's about God's judgment, but he offers you grace. He offers you truth. So you don't have to be walking around like most of the people that we know in this world. And we see they're lost. And I pray that God's spirit will overcome them and bring them to a place where they will receive and know God, and receive his love and forgiveness into his life. See, the serpent wants you to judge others. He wants you to judge others from your own self-righteousness because he's lying to you. Don't you want to be like God? But I'm going to tell you, there's no other God except God himself. But there's a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. Now, the story of the serpent or the dragon continues throughout the Bible. The serpent is Satan, and it continues all the way through Revelation. So I just want to close today. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 13. I'm going to read about a time in the future. This is about the dragon and a beast and the beast sidekick. And I want you to understand, remember why I said Satan is good at counterfeit? This is Satan's false trinity. Look at this. Revelation 13. John the Apostle has a revelation. He says, And the dragon, Satan, stood on the sand of the seashore. Then I saw a beast 
coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads and crowns, and that's all about power and authority. And the beast, which was like a leopard, and his feet were like a bear, and his mouth like a lion. That's about empires. And the dragon, Satan, gave this beast power and his throne and great authority. Who is this beast? It's the Antichrist. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed. So apparently this guy, somehow he's going to come out of this fatal wound and people are going to be amazed. And they followed him and they worshiped the dragon, which is what the dragon has wanted since the beginning, because he gave his authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who's like the beast? So the beast now becomes God to these people. Who's able to wage war against him? He's so powerful. There was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, an authority for 42 months. How long is that? Three and a half years, which is half of the seven-year tribulation period. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God because he hates God. It was also given to him to make war with the saints. There's believers in the world at this time. And to overcome them, and the authority of every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life and the Lamb who has been slain. So these are people who do not believe that are following him. They believe in him. I believe that the church is in heaven at this point with Jesus. So we're going to jump down to verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. Now these are symbols. It's not actually a beast, but the beast is the gross interpretation of what this looked like. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spoke as a dragon. So this is the prophet, the false prophet that's the sidekick of the Antichrist. And I believe it's a religious leader. And he exercises all authority of the first beast. And he makes the earth worship the beast. He performs great signs. So he even makes fire come down in heaven. And here's verse 14. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth. Who does he deceive? Earth dwellers. Heaven dwellers should not be deceived. Remember when I talked about we're seated with Christ and we're citizens of heaven? We're not of this world. We should not be deceived. We should know the truth in Jesus. And then it says, he was the image of the beast who had the wound and the sword come to life and has given to him the give breath. Again, it's like the Holy Spirit, but a fake one, to the image of the beast. So the image of the beast would even speak and cause many to worship the image. It's all about worship for Satan. And he causes the small and the great and the rich and the poor and everyone to get a mark on their right hand or their forehead, which is the mark of the beast. And they weren't able to buy or sell unless they had this mark. And here's the last verse. Let him who understands calculate the number of the beast. For the number is that of a man, 666. The number six is man. Seven is completion. Man was made on six days. So I believe that's three sixes, just like a fake trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, sevens. Dragon, Antichrist, false prophet, sixes. Do not be deceived. Jesus is coming back soon. So what should I do to be ready? Stay grounded in the word of God. I can't tell you this enough. Stop drinking from empty vessels and empty words. 
Drink from the fountain of living water. Hang out with people of the word. Don't be like Adam and Eve who were deceived by the dragon. Realize your susceptibility to that. And be humble enough to ask for help if you're struggling. Because this is not the time to be self-righteous. This is the time to be Christ-centered. And realizing that your righteousness is in him alone. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that it's so true. And it fills the pages of the Bible. And there's the story of the Bible. We are part of that story currently as we live in the age of grace where God is offering grace and forgiveness to everyone. And if you have not received God's forgiveness, today is the day because we do not know when God's judgment at Christ's return will happen, but it will happen soon. So receive Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I believe in you. You are the truth. Thank you for dying for my sins so that I can live Thank you for rising from the dead so that I can live eternally with you. Lord, I pray for the church that we will not be deceived and that we will not accept empty words. We will receive truthful words, the word of God as spoken by him in the Bible. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be his voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com. Make me-